Okay, so, so when they put the colon there, it says, it means that what the, the, what he, the inheritance that we have in Christ as saints in light that he has made us fit to be partakers of, okay, he begins to enumerate them. He says he has delivered us from the power of darkness. So which means uh, that part of the inheritance uh, that he has fit you for, that he fitted you for, right, uh, 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 in Christ Jesus, uh, when you received him into your heart, uh, was that he delivered you and I from uh, the power of darkness. Tell your neighbor, I'm delivered from the power of darkness. He's not about to deliver me. He has already delivered me. Oh, how much the church needs to hear this. Hallelujah. That he has delivered us from the power of darkness. And power of darkness means power of darkness. Everything from top to bottom, from the devil who is his head to the least. Hallelujah. In that, in the, in that hierarchy of power. He says he has delivered us. He's not about to deliver us. So Bible deliverance is a past tense. Are you listening to me? Hallelujah. It's a past tense that we appropriate in the present. Glory to God. Now, if you don't know that he has already delivered you, you'll be like the person who is, who is in prison, where the government has released him, yet because he does not know, he still serves in prison. And until somebody tells him, uh, he'll still remain uh, a prisoner and with the mentality of a prisoner. Not because he has not been freed, but because he doesn't know. So he says he has delivered us from the power of darkness. And he, need, he not only stopped there, he didn't just get us out of the prison and leave us out in the open. The Bible says that he translated us. Amen. He translated us. What is a translation? A translation, Jesus Christ was translated when he went to heaven. That was a translation. Praise God. He was on earth and then he moved to heaven. Okay? Praise God. So he, that was a translation. So same thing. It was a, a relocation. Praise God. So when he says that he has translated us, he didn't just leave us out in the opener, but he translated us and we became members of his kingdom, where he rules, where what he says holds sway. Praise the Lord. So into the kingdom of his dear son. Then I put another colon there. Amen. Praise God. To explain verse 13. Okay. How did that happen? In verse 13, verse 14, he now says, in whom we have redemption. So the translation into the kingdom of God, into the kingdom of his dear son, is means that we have redemption. So you can't be translated into the kingdom of God if you do not possess redemption. So redemption has taken place. What does it mean to redeem? To redeem is to buy something back. Okay? To buy is like someone who, who is a slave, who has been enslaved, and someone else now comes and pays for that slave to free him. So he not only frees him, he becomes his own person. Hallelujah. Praise God. So he said this translation, it is not, it was, it's something that took place legally. 
It's something uh, that took place uh, with justice in mind. Uh, he said that he redeemed us uh, in whom, talking about Christ, in Christ we have redemption. How? Through his blood. And what is the redemption through his blood? The forgiveness of sins. Uh, and so we are going to be talking about this redemption. Uh, okay? The more you understand it, uh, Praise God, uh, the more your faith uh, in it is strengthened. Uh, my, 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 my job, uh, my assignment uh, this Sunday, next Sunday, is to get you to a place where you believe in redemption uh, and all that it came with it in its entirety. Hallelujah. So you do not second guess, you do not doubt, you are not sure, oh, how complete it is, uh, how powerful it is. Uh, it, you, we are going to look at it uh, in a more robust way. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. So, so in verse 14, uh, it says that in whom we have redemption uh, through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Uh, now, verse 15, another colon. Uh, now, it says, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? Now, 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 look at this. Uh, he says, Christ is the image of the invisible God. So, which means that uh, he is telling us, uh, what is the word image? Uh, it means uh, a representation. In other words, uh, now, the image is not a shadow. And we are going to look at it. We are going to look at that. Amen. He's not talking, Jesus is not the shadow of God. Jesus is the image. Praise God. In other words, uh, that an image, when you see the image, uh, it's exactly what the person uh, okay, uh, is. That is what that image represents. Hallelujah. He's exactly you want to see God, you want to know God, you want to hear you want to hear God, you want to perceive God, you want to see how God thinks, you want to see how God will act, you want to see God's God's what God's opinion, you know, about something. Amen. You want to know God's law. You want to know. You want to know anything about God. He says Christ is the image of the invisible God. So we that the invisible God in Him in Himself has determined that you and I will be redeemed through the blood of His Son, and that toward you and I will be translated into the kingdom of His dear Son. Hallelujah. So that is the will of God. Now in and he, he take notes. He says, in whom we have it. It's a past tense. It's something that has already been done. Glory to God. He's not trying to redeem you. It's been done and it was done in his entirety. Hallelujah. Now, Hebrews chapter 10. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 10. How do we know that it's been done? How do we know it's been done? Maybe we, we should check Hebrews chapter 1 before. Now, when someone has finished his work, praise God. Amen. Genesis chapter 1 tells us that when God, chapter 2, when God finished his work, what did he do? He rested on the seventh day. So you don't rest until the work is done. Praise God. Amen. You go to work, those of us that do 9 to 5, you don't, you, you, you don't, you are not, except you are sick. You can't be in the middle of work and say, I want to rest. Amen. When your boss needs you for your work, say, uh, uh, please tell the boss I need, I need to do 10 minutes rest. <laughs> yeah. Hallelujah. You know, 
You don't, you can hardly do that. It's only, well, all other things being equal. You know, in a normal environment. Praise the Lord. Except during break time. They say, what is your break time for? So, so you work, you rest after you want. Now, and when you are resting most of the time, you are in a relaxed mood. Most likely, you will sit down or lie down. Will you be walking on the road and say, I'm resting? Huh? Do, how many of us rest by taking a stroll and walking on the road? You hardly will do. Amen. What you most likely will do is that you will do what? You will sit down. You will relax. Now look at what the Bible says about Jesus in Hebrews chapter 1. It says, uh, Paul, no, no, not Paul. God who at sundry times and in diverse manner spoke in times past unto the fathers by the prophets has in this last day spoken unto us by his son whom he has appointed here over all things by whom he made the walls who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power when he had by himself purged our sins what did he do? What did he do? Come on, talk to me. He sat down. When he had by himself purged our sins, he sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. So where is Jesus right now? What is the position of Jesus right now? Come on, talk to me. What is the position of Jesus right now? Jesus is sitting down. So he sat down. Uh, when he had by himself purged our sins. Uh, so which means, uh, glory to God, uh, amen, uh, that he has already done it. He said when he had by himself. So Jesus uh, is not going to purge our sins again. Jesus has already purged our sins. Glory to God. He had by himself. Uh, so which means that that's why we call it the finished work of Christ. Uh, so what he was he plans to do, Jesus has finished it. Uh, why what is the evidence? Uh, the evidence is that his water he is seated. Right, hallelujah. He is seated. So, if Jesus has to purge our sins again, it means that Jesus will have to stand. Jesus will have to walk. He said, I must walk the walk of my father while it is day, for the night comes when no man will walk. Hallelujah. So, Jesus has walked in the day. In the night time, he said, that is when they rest. So, Jesus is at rest right now. Jesus is not perturbed concerning you. Jesus doesn't worry about you and I. Amen. He doesn't worry about his walk, whether what he did uh, is, is still powerful, is still potent uh, or not. Uh, whether, okay, he's not worried. It means that he's not worried whether the sins of the world, uh, you know, in our own perception right now, the sins of the world, they, seems, uh, they, are be, they seem to be greater than it was when, in the days of Jesus. Amen. Does, is that not your perception? Yeah, I see, I see the world has become more sinner, 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 sinner. <laughs> if there's anything like that, you know. But the, Jesus is not part of having, because he had by himself uh, purged our sins, uh, he sat down at the right hand of God. So it means that uh, the work that he did, uh, the purging that he did, uh, Jesus, uh, it, 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 it is still very powerful. It is still very effective. It was something that he did once and for all. Hebrews chapter 10. Let's look at it. Hebrews chapter 10. 
Glory to God. Glory to God. Oh, redemption song. It says, it says, for the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things. Remember I said shadow doesn't mean image. What is a shadow? I need to, you need to understand what shadow means here. It says the law having a shadow. Um, Brother Abraham, please come. You can't, okay, just, just stand there. Stand, come, come this way. Stand in such a way that the, your shadow can be seen on the wall. On that wall. Maybe move close to the wall. Or maybe, yeah, yeah. aha. Now, you can't see, you can't see this shadow, isn't it? Praise the Lord. Those of you can see it. Let's say you can't see Brother Abraham. And you see this shadow. Amen. Can this shadow tell you exactly how he looks. Can he? No. Can he tell you the color of his clothes? Can you tell, it, tell you how dark of light he is? No. So the shadow cannot be the image. The shadow cannot be a representation. It cannot be a true representation. So you cannot get to know something, okay, by looking at his shadows. Now, the Bible says that the law, sit down, having a shadow of good things to come. So the law itself cannot tell you the good things. The law can't tell you the good things. You cannot read the law and know the good things. Hallelujah. There are several people that may look like him. So by looking at his shadow, let's say Kanye looks like him. You may think someone can, so two different people can look and say, no, this is Abraham. Another one can say, no, 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 this is Kanye. The shadow can never tell you. That's why you see you cannot, you cannot fully understand God when you look at the law. So he says, for the law having a shadow of good things to come. Glory to God. So which means that there are good things to come. He said, and not the very image of those things. Not the very representation. So which means that you cannot read Moses, you can't read Elijah, you cannot read, you cannot read those prophets and actually see the very image. You can't. If you, therefore, it means if you stay with that, you will misrepresent the image. Are you following me? This he said because it's not the very image, it can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the commerce there unto perfect. So he says that it can never. Someone say it can never. It means there is not, no sacrifice. No sacrifice by man can ever make the offers perfect. Why? Because they have to offer it year by year. We are going to see it. 
So nobody therefore by the law can obtain or could obtain and can ever obtain redemption. What is the goal of this redemption? Hallelujah. Look at it. He said that they offered it year by year continually. It cannot make the commerce. Who are the commerce? Those that bring the offerings. Those for which the offerings are being and the sacrifices are being made. It cannot make them perfect. So what is the goal of the sacrifice? The goal of the sacrifice was to make the commerce there unto what? Perfect. Are you here listening to me this morning? Hallelujah. The goal, what is the goal? The goal is to make men what? The offerers perfect. He said, but the law could not do it. Look at verse 2. Glory to God. Glory to God. For then would they not have ceased to be offered. Because that the worshippers once purged should have, should have had no more conscience of sin. Hear me. It says if the sacrifices could make them perfect. What does it? What does? What does it mean? What is the word perfect? What does it mean? It means the the, the Greek word for that word perfect means something that is complete. Something that I mean, you have gotten to the goal, you've gotten to the end. You can't add anything to it. It's just like someone running uh, uh, in a hundred meters dash. Okay, you can't when you get to. The finishing line, the finish line, you have run it perfectly. You can't, you can't extend the finishing line to 110 meters. Hallelujah. You can't extend it further, not even by an inch, not even by a millimeter. You can't. It's complete, it's done. Nothing to be added to it. So the goal of the sacrifices were to make men perfect. In such a way that nothing will be added, nothing will need to be added to them. In hallelujah. But the Bible says that they, they, it couldn't make them perfect because every year they had to come. They had to come. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Because the worshippers once purged. Which means that the perfection uh, was that the poor worshippers, uh, once they are purged, or if that sacrifice was to make them perfect, uh, right? Uh, once they were purged, because of those sacrifices, hallelujah, they should no longer have the conscience of sins. So perfect there means you don't have the, you should no longer have a conscience of sin. The New Living Translation says, you, he says that it means you should no longer have the feeling of guilt. Give me the New Living Translation, verse 2. You should no longer have the, to, so, to, to have the conscience of sin, of sins, is to have, to still carry on your chest, on your mind. Hallelujah. The, the guilt the condemnation. 
You see, and their feelings of guilt would have disappeared. So the, the sacrifice was supposed to be carried out to purge, to purify us. To purify who? To purify God? Talk to me. Is it to purify God? No. Who is it to purify? So that you will not have the feelings of guilt. You will no longer have the carry the consciousness of sin. The consciousness of the consequences of sin. Hallelujah. Where does that take place? In the mind of man. Am I correct? Yeah. In the mind. So that your mind... So where does the purging therefore take place? Where does the purging take place? It takes place in your mind. Oh, glory to God. So, so that your mind will be so purged that you should no longer have the feeling of guilt or the conscience of sin. So... How much the potency, therefore, of the sacrifice does not depend on the worshippers? Did you hear what I said? How powerful the sacrifice is does not depend on the worshippers. It depends on the potency of the one behind it. Look at it. We are studying. For the law, having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things, can never, with those sacrifices, offered year by year. Because once, remember, Hebrews chapter 1 that we read, Jesus, after he had by himself purged our sins, sat down. So the sacrifices could not purge it once and for all. Amen. Because they have to be offered every year. So it means that uh, the, once the priest rises up again the next year, it means that he, the, 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 the sacrifice that was done the year before has been nullified. Isn't it? Because he has to rise up again. So they have to do it year by year. But the Bible says, Jesus, uh, after he had Purged our sins. So where did Jesus purge our sins? In our minds. Because when your sin, remember verse 2, he says uh, the worshippers once purged will no longer have the conscience of sins. Will no longer. So the, the, how powerful, how you, 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 whether you carry the conscience of sins, Will determine will be determined by how powerful that 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 sacrifice was. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. So it is not the quality; it is the, the sacrifice, or that that the 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 purging of your sins is does not it has nothing whatsoever to do with what the, what the worshippers, the quality of the worshippers. Oh, it's not about how much I roll on the floor. It's, no long, it's not about how much I cry. It's about the quality of the what? The sacrifice. Not the quality of the worshippers. 
So once we can determine the quality of the sacrifice, hallelujah, we will know whether our sins have been purged eternally or not. So God wants to show himself not as one who is against us, but as one who wants to do what? Purge our sins. Why do we have the conscience of sins? The conscience of sins, it's because we feel that God is against us and God is going to deal with us. God is, God, 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 there is an enmity between us and God. Come on, Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. Look at what Paul said. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 21. Colossians 1 and verse 21. Praise God. He said, and you who were sometimes alienated and enemies, where? Where, 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 where? He said, we were enemies in our mind by wicked war. Yet now has he reconciled. The Bible says that we were once alienated because we, there was enemy, we were enemies in our mind. Enemies of God. Hallelujah. He did not say that God was an enemy of man. He said we were enemies where? In our minds. You know, you can, you, 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 I can be laughing with uh, damn Lola now and in my mind that is, I, I believe he's my enemy. He's the one doing me. You know the way they do in the uh, African society. You know, that person, your, your stepmother is the one doing you. Is your enemy. You know, the, the woman would be innocent of, uh, you know, <laughs> but in your mind. So we were enemies in our minds. As far as we were concerned, that was what happened to, to Adam. Look at Adam. The, when he sinned, what happened? He ran away from God. He became an enemy of God in his mind. Not that uh, God was his enemy. Because if God were his enemy, God uh, would not have come to him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Did God know that he had sinned? Oh, yes. But the Bible says we were enemies in our mind. But what was God's plan? God wants to show us uh, that he, hey, he's, we are not enemies. Uh, he's not our enemy. He is out there to reconcile us. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So God uh, sought to, 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 to tell man... Uh, God's goal is to let man know that I'm not your enemy. You may be an enemy in your mind against me, but I'm not your enemy. What am I seeking to do? I am seeking to reconcile you. Look at it. Come on. Praise God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 18. God is not against man. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We are talking about our redemption. Look at it. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18. And all things are of God, 
who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. So what is God doing? God, what did he do? He reconciled us. What is God's business? God's business is in the reconciliation business. And has given us the means of reconciliation. Next verse. To wit or to know that God was in Christ. So what God did was not apart from Christ. God and Christ were in union together. He said God was in Christ reconciling who? Come on, reconciling who? Reconciling the world to himself. And not what? Imputing their trespasses unto them. Give me the amplified version. Not imputing. The word to impute, right, is an accounting term. He says that, it, it means to record. It means to count against. He said, not counting up and holding it against men their trespasses, but canceling them. Hallelujah. So, as far as the world is concerned, we feel because of our wicked works, right, we are enemies of God in our minds. But God is saying, no, 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 this is my standard. I am reconciling the world to myself. I am not counting your sins against you. I'm not counting your sins against you. I'm not counting your sins against you. I'm not counting it. I am Counseling it. I am in the business of not counting, not putting records, no record, no record, no record, no record. When you check, oh, someone says, when you get to heaven, you are going to see there is a book. Oh, where are all your sins that you have committed? All of them are listed. Jesus says, no record. Are you listening to me? He says, no record. He says, no, I am in the business of reconciling. I am not holding up. I am not counting up against men. David knew this. Psalm 130. Let's check for Psalm 130. Look, 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 look at what David said. David in the Old Testament, he foresaw this. He said it. Look at verse 3. Let's check verse 3. Glory to God. Glory to God. He said, if you Lord should keep account of and treat us According to our sins, O Lord, who will stand? Next verse, next verse, next verse. But there is what? There is what? Forgiveness with you. Just what man needs that you may be feared. <laughs> so he said, Lord, if you hold it, if you count it against us, tell your neighbor, God is not counting our sins. Now, the Bible said when he punched that sin, he didn't say that we have stopped sinning. No. He said after he punched that sin, he sat down. He didn't say that man has stopped sinning. <laughs> Hallelujah. But he said, he said, he's not what? Counting. He's not holding it up uh, against you. Hallelujah. Oh, someone says, oh, so I, I, I shall just go ahead and just, go, I shall just keep sinning now. I shall just keep sinning. Since God is not counting against me, you're a fool. Uh, if you do that, uh, you don't know redemption. You are not a Christian. You are not born again. He said that for there is forgiveness with you so that you can be feared. Not so that man can continue sinning. 
<laughs> Hallelujah. 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 He said, there is forgiveness with you. There is forgiveness with you. So which means that the sacrifice is not to appease God. The sacrifice is not to appease God. Glory to God. The, the sacrifice is not to, because right from God has not changed. Has he changed? Come on, talk to me. Has he changed? It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Even before time, he has always been. He has never, he has never changed. His counsel, his planner, his will, his purpose, his character has not changed. So it was not that Jesus Christ, when he now died, he now came, went to appease God like they are appeasing Oguan and, and Obatala. Amen. What is it? What is what? What is God's stand? God's stand is that I don't count men's sins against them. But we are the ones. Man was the one that now had enmity against God because of his wicked acts. But God has always been on this side. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Not, I'm not counting your sins against you. I'm not counting. That's the reason why if you look at God in the law, amen, you cannot see who he is in his entirety. You can't. You can't. He said the law was a shadow of things to come. Not the very image. Let's read on. Back to Hebrews chapter 10. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, glory, glory to, glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hebrews chapter 8. Look at, yeah, uh, before we get back to Hebrews 10, look at Hebrews chapter 8. Hebrews chapter 8. This is what God, look at God's mind. Look at God's mind. Verse 10. Hebrews chapter 8. Verse 10. He says, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, he said, this is the covenant. Someone said, this is the covenant. Someone says, we want to know what the new covenant is. This is, he said, this is the covenant. Hallelujah. I will do what? I will put their laws. Where? Oh, come on. Where will I put it? In their minds. Where is the enmity? Hallelujah. So, God said, this new covenant is going to deal with the enmity in the mind. That is making you to see me not the way I am. He said, I will put my laws in their mind. I will write it in their hearts. I will be to them a God. They shall be to me a people. Next verse. Next verse. And they shall not teach every man his neighbor. And every man his brother. Saying, know the Lord. For all shall know me from the least to the greatest. I will so write my laws in their mind. That this is what is going to happen. They will get to know me. In other words, before then, before the new covenant, man did not know God. He, the way he ought to know him. Next verse. Next verse. Next verse. He said, for I, this is what they are going to know about me. Oh my word. This is what they are going to know about me. God is saying that when I write my laws in their mind, they will so know me. This is what they are going to know about me. For I will be what? Merciful. Unto what? Their unrighteousness and their sins and iniquities, I will remember no more. He said, This is what is going to write. Hallelujah. This is what is going to write on your mind. This is what the laws of God will, 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 will cap 
capitulate into in your mind. Hallelujah. It will register that I am a God who is merciful. I will be merciful unto their sins and unto their unrighteousness. Oh, I will remember it no more. I will remember it no more. I will remember it no more. Next verse. Next verse. Next verse. And in that he said a new covenant. He has made the first one old. Now that which decays and waxes old is ready to vanish away. Hallelujah. So what is the new covenant? The new covenant is that he is merciful unto you. <laughs> Hallelujah. What is the New Testament covenant? The new covenant is that he is merciful unto you. The new covenant is that he will, he will remember your sins no more. So it wasn't that God was on one side. Christ was now on one side. Let's go back to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews 10. Glory to God. Are you being blessed here this morning? In the name of Jesus. Oh, look at verse 3. He said, for in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance again made of sin every year. But what is God's goal? He said, there are sins. I will what? Remember no more. Has that always been God's stance? Yes. Was it that God was remembering their sin and then something happened and then God now decided I'm not going to... No. You know, some people, you know, there are some films we watch. You just say, God, God, God will just be angry, fuming, you know, you know, with, with fumes of anger coming from his nose. And then Jesus Christ says, oh Lord, remember, remember, remember what I did for them. Oh Lord, remember what, uh, remember, oh, remember. God said, okay, I remember, I remember, I remember, I remember, I remember. No, no. The law is a what? Shadow. But what does he say? Their sins and iniquities I will remember no more. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. In other words, God wants to reveal himself in the new covenant. What is going to write on your heart is the revelation of who he is. That he's what? He's a merciful God. Now, let's look at verse 3. Round to verse 3, Hebrews chapter 10. He says, for those sacrifices, there, there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible. Someone say, it's not possible. It is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh those sins. Taketh away the sins of the world. He said, it is not possible. Someone say, someone say it's not possible. The blood of bulls and goats is physical. Red blood cells, white blood cells, what all of them put together, all the, you know, is a physical thing. What does he mean? It means that it means that something physical cannot hallelujah be the means of your redemption. No physical offering kabravagadabashta brought by man can ever be the source of your redemption. It means you can rely on nothing. No offering. Look at the next verse. He said, wherefore, when he comments into the world, he says, sacrifice and offerings and offering thou wouldest not, but a body has thou prepared me. Let me shock you here this morning. 
Hebrews chapter 10. Look at it. Give me the amplified version. Let it amplify it. Verse 5. Verse 5. Good news. He said, hence, when he, Christ, entered into the world, he said, sacrifices. This, this, this scripture is gotten from uh, uh, Psalm 40, verse 6 to 8. Okay? He said, sacrifices and offerings. You have not what? Oh, brava gadabashta. Talk to me. You have not what? Which means that from the beginning, God never desired any sacrifice from man. He says, sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but instead you have made a ready body for me. So, no sacrifice. Look at the next verse. Look at the next verse. In burnt offerings and sin offerings, you have taken no delight. <laughs> in burnt offerings, in sin offerings. Let me read the, the King James Version. He says, he said, in sacrifices, offering, burnt offering, offering for sin. Four kinds of offerings. All those offerings, those are all the offerings in the, in the Old Testament, they, are, they fall into these four categories. Sacrifices, offerings, burnt offerings, offering for sin. He said, you had no pleasure daring. So which means that, hey, remember, Jesus is the express image of the invisible God. He's saying that, no sacrifice from man. Glory to God. Glory to God. Nothing any man can ever do. Nothing any man can ever bring. He said, God does not desire. He said, he doesn't have any pleasure. So all those times they were doing all those things, they, it was not pleasurable to God. God didn't ask for it. The law asked for it. Man. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Remember. So it means that the sacrifice. He said, God did not. God did not. This is the mystery of it. God did not desire. He didn't delight in sacrifice. What is his delight? His delight is that my, my sins, your sins and iniquities, I will remember no more. His delight is to purge us. Remember, his delight is to purge us. Remember, he is not our enemy. We thought we were enemies, so we were sacrificing. Man was sacrificing to appease the enemy, to appease the gods, like they would appease of Batala or Amadioha. Because of their conscience of sins. Let me tell you something about the conscience. First Corinthians chapter 8. First Corinthians 8. Check verse 4. Oh boy, my time has gone. I'm For Now, concerning the things that are offered in sacrifice to idols, we know that what? We know that what? We know that what? An idol is nothing in this world. What is an idol? What is an idol? 
It means an idol does not exist. It's nothing. It means it doesn't exist. And why? There is no other God but one. All other gods, they are the works of men. Now, next verse. Next verse. He says, for though there be they that are called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as there be gods many and lots many. Uh-huh. But to us, but there is one God, the Father, of whom are all things, and we in him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we by him. Next verse. How be it, there is not in every man that knowledge. For some, having the conscience of idol. So, conscience therefore is subject to knowledge. They don't have the knowledge. So, their conscience, they have the conscience or they, they carry the consciousness of idols. So, unto this hour, they eat things as that are, when they eat things that are offered to idols, what happens? Their conscience becomes weak. Because their conscience is weak because of the knowledge that they have. They think there is an idol actually. That when you are eating what is sacrificed to Ogun, it means that you are bowing down to Ogun. So they begin to feel that, 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 that weakness and they feel a defilement. Not because there is a God, but because their conscience is weak. But meat does not commend us to God. For neither if we eat are we the better. Neither if we don't we eat are we the worse. Next verse. But take it less by any means. Eh? The liberty of yours becomes a stumbling block to them that are weak. Weak where? In their conscience. When they gather more knowledge, what will happen to their non-conscience? So which means that, see, the Bible says that the worshippers, uh, they are purged. Uh, have, what will happen to them, uh, Hebrews chapter 10, uh, that they, are, they, will be, they, are, they, they will no longer have the conscience of sins. So what does that mean? It means that if, if your conscience is bold to condemn you by virtue of knowledge. So God had to deal with that mind. Hallelujah. So I ask the question again. Why was a sacrifice made if God said he had no pleasure in sacrifices? And we are going to stop here today. <laughs> Why was the sacrifice made? Sacrifices, God said that in sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings, sin offerings, I had no pleasure. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1. Let's go there. We've got to answer that question because I cannot leave it hanging. Or else you'll leave confused. For the law, having a shadow of the things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices which they offer year by year make the commas there unto perfect. What is the perfection? Verse, verse 2. For then they would not have ceased to be offered because the worshippers, once purged, should have no more conscience of sins. So the purpose of the sacrifice was to purge the conscience 
of the worshippers uh, so that they will not carry the consciousness of sins. They look at it. Once that sacrifice is there, it means that my sins have been purged until the next year. Hallelujah. So the sacrifice was not for God. The sacrifice was for man. The sacrifice of Jesus. God does not need blood to forgive you. You are the one that needs the blood to purge your conscience of sins. A sacrifice, it becomes the reference point. Hallelujah. It becomes the reference point. It becomes the reference point. He said, Jesus, uh, 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 we read in Colossians, uh, was it Colossians chapter 1? We started with, look at Colossians chapter 1 again. Verse 14, verse 14. He said, in whom we have redemption through his blood. It wasn't that the price, we said, we, we said Jesus paid the price with his blood. Who did he pay the price to? Let's look at it that way. Who did God, who did he pay the price to? Could they have been God who was on our side all the while? Hello. Can it be God that he paid the sacrifice to? God that he was, God was the one that offered himself as the sacrifice. So he will he offer himself and pay it to himself? Faith in our redemption. So that sacrifice was for you to purge your conscience from the feelings of guilt so that you can be on God's side. Hallelujah. And hold it as reference. So God is not, Jesus Christ is not saying to God, God, look at my blood, look at my blood, look at my blood, don't forgive them, look at my blood, look at my blood, forgive them. Because the blood of bulls and goats, physical things cannot cannot pay for the redemption of man. Rather, he said, a body you have prepared for me. Let's close with Hebrews chapter 10. Go back there. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. He said, Hebrews chapter 10, uh, give me verse 5. Let's read from verse 5 and then we'll close with that. He said, wherefore, he, when he came, he says, sacrifice and offerings, you don't want. He said, God doesn't want sacrifices. No, 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 no. What seed did Adam give to God before God blessed him? Hello, hello, hello. What seed? Someone asked me to answer that question. What was the seed that Adam planted before God blessed him? God blessed him before he planted the very first seed. Are you listening to me? When God therefore tells you to sow seed, like we're using our balance, it's not because he wants it. Hallelujah. It's an obedience of faith. What's his name? Abel. The Bible says, by faith, Abel offered a sacrifice. His sacrifice was accepted. He said, through which he became righteous. 
What was the issue? It was their righteousness. Faith. Righteousness by faith. Noah had righteousness by faith. Abel had righteousness by faith. Abraham had righteousness by faith. David had righteousness by faith. They had righteousness by faith, but there was something lacking. They were not brought to completion. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 39 and verse 40. He said that they did not inherit the promise. He said, for they without us could not be made perfect. In other words, it was after redemption came, perfection came. Has perfection come? Yes. Has completion come? Yes. Nothing else to be added. Not because of your sacrifice. No seed that you will ever sow can bring you to perfection. He has already perfected it. Look at Hebrews chapter 10. He says that by one offering, he has perfected forever them that are what? Sanctified. That is the value of your redemption. Glory to God. Glory to God. What was the question I said I didn't want to leave hanging? Who can remind me? Huh? Huh? I have answered it. I've answered it. Stand to your feet, everybody. <laughs> Glory to God. Come on, somebody rejoice at your redemption this morning. Rejoice at your salvation. Uh, your salvation is complete. Uh, it has nothing to do with you. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Who wants to lose his salvation here? <laughs> Who wants to lose this salvation? Who wants to lose it? I say, you know, you have to lose your salvation. Don't lose it. You, 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 didn't, even, you, didn't, even, you didn't get it in the first place. Not by your sacrifice. That sacrifice has purged your sins. There is no longer remembrance of sins. Behold the Lamb of God that took away. Do you know why we are afraid? We are afraid. Why there is condemnation? Hallelujah. The consequence of sin makes us to be in fear. But the lamb has taken the sins away. He has purged you. Hebrews, I think Hebrews chapter 9 says that he has purged our, he has purged our consciences from dead works to serve the living God. So he didn't purge our consciences from dead works so that we can go back to dead works. It's to serve the living God. That's why he says, I'm afraid. I'm not afraid by preaching this that you're going to lose your salvation or you're going to backslide or you're going to start misbehaving. No, it's to serve the living God. He said that you forgive those sins so that what you might be what you might be feared. Ah, Oluwai Sheiton. The sacrifice of Jesus. He said he didn't need it, but because of you. And I, he gave himself to take away the sins of the whole world. Lift up your hands and thank him. Thank him. Consecrate yourself to him one more time. Come on, get on the keyboard quickly. Once I'm done, I'm running, I'll just get on the keyboard. Thank you, Lord.